Our reading this morning will come from Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Thank you, Ben. Good morning, church. If you're visiting with us, we thank you so much for coming our way today. We ask that you will stick around for a few moments after our services so that we might get to know you better. I want to encourage you to leave your uh, Bibles open to Matthew chapter 16 there. Also want to remind you, uh, we failed to mention this, but this afternoon at 2 p.m. is our nursing home singing over at the hospital nursing home. Uh, That will be at 2 p.m. So if you can at all be a part of that, we would love for, for you to be here and help us out with that at the nursing home over at the hospital at 2 p.m. today. So if you can help with that, thank you very much. It is greatly, greatly appreciated. I want to start this morning uh, by uh, sharing with you a story that I've shared before, but I want to share it again because I think it illustrates the point of the text that we're trying to get across. Bruce Larson, in the book Uh, believe and belong, he tells how he helped people who were struggling to surrender their lives to Christ, and he writes... For many years I worked in New York City and counseled at my office any number of people who were wrestling with this yes or no decision. Often I would suggest they walk with me from my office down to the RCA building on 5th Avenue. In the entrance of that building is a gigantic statue of Atlas. A beautifully proportioned man who with all of his muscles straining is holding up the world upon his shoulders. There he is, the most powerfully built man in the world, and he can barely stand under this burden. Now that's one way to live, I would point out to my companion, trying to carry the world on your shoulders. But now come across the street with me. On the other side of Fifth Avenue is St. Patrick's Cathedral. And there behind the high altar is a little shrine of the boy Jesus, perhaps eight or nine years old. And with no effort, he is holding the world in one hand. He said, my point was illustrated graphically. He writes, we have a choice. We can carry the world on our shoulders or we can say, I give up, Lord. Here's my life. I give to you my world, the whole world. It's interesting that in this text, Jesus also is counseling His disciples. 
And in a sense, he gives them two contrasts. He speaks to them about two different things. If you will, he shows them through a couple of questions two different things. You might notice on the screen the map here. And I know Adam and Gerald and Ben have been to this area. Uh, This was the setting for this private gathering, uh, portionally in in Caesarea Philippi. This was a a non-Jewish area near the headwaters of the Jordan River where there was no Galilean in attendance. It was in a town located southwest at the foot of Mount Hermon. This area had springs and served as one of the main water sources of the Jordan River. And it was located near the Old Testament city of Dan. Being well watered, it was one of the most beautiful places in all the Bible lands. In the Old Testament times, it had a shrine dedicated to the worship of Baal. You remember that uh, prophets of Baal? You remember that showdown with Elijah? While later the Greeks built a shrine to Pan, the god of nature, and called the place Panius, the city of Pan. It was, he was connected to fertility and springtime, being a god of the shepherds, flocks, fields, and groves, and forests. Caesarea then was named after Caesar Augustus by Philip the Patriarch, who later added Philippi to it to honor him all his own self and distinguished it from the other Caesarea off the Mediterranean coast. And it's in this place that Jesus counsels his disciples. And he asks them these important questions. In verse 13, he asks his disciples, Who do men say that I am? You see, the Gospel of Matthew, it began with the writer identifying Jesus as the divine Messiah, the Son of David. John the Baptist, he had paved the way for Christ, but later he himself even wondered and wanted to know if Jesus truly was the one. Do you remember in Matthew chapter 11? The Bible says, And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ... He sent two of his disciples and said to them, Are you the coming one or should we look for someone else? The crowds that followed Jesus, they had witnessed his many miracles. They had heard his teachings. Some had rejected him, especially in his hometown of Nazareth, and especially those leaders of the Jews in his day. Others heralded him as the son of David. And the disciples themselves, they questioned the identity of Jesus. You remember in chapter 8 of Matthew when he calmed the storm? What kind of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him, they asked. And here Jesus asked the disciples about the speculations that are going around who he really was. In other words, he's asking, what's the word on the street? What's the word on the street that everyone is saying? And, and you can almost imagine it in, his, in your mind. One begins the answer, one right after the other. Some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Others, Jeremiah, are one of the prophets. Isn't it many times easier to tell what everyone else is saying about a particular subject or person? And this was the case with 
disciples. Because many, like Herod Antipas, uh, Matthew chapter 14, believed that John the Baptist had risen from the dead. He said, this is John the Baptist. He has risen from the dead and therefore these powers are at work in him. Others say Jesus was Elijah. Maybe their lifestyles, maybe their teachings were very similar. In fact, in Malachi chapter 4 and verse 5, the prophet Malachi, he prophesied that Elijah would come. Jesus answers that in explaining the prophecy in Matthew chapter 11, saying Elijah had come in the person of John the Baptist. Others thought he was Jeremiah. There's a lot of similarities between Jesus and Jeremiah in that they had this great concern for the people of God. In fact, Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet, but Jesus wept openly, didn't he? And the Bible says in Isaiah 53 and verse 3 about Jesus, he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And it was when Jesus entered Jerusalem in Luke chapter 19 that he wept over the city. Some thought that Jesus was one of the other prophets. And this was a general answer. It wasn't connected with any prophet in general, but was particularly talking about the Old Testament prophets. And according to Luke chapter 9, people believed that Jesus was one of the prophets of old had risen again. Someone wrote, The disciples tell Jesus that the common people, the regular Jewish Joe and Jane, think Jesus is a prophet. And so he asked them that question. Who do men say that they are? And they begin to pop off the answers. But then he comes to verse 15. And he, after this discussion of what others thought about Jesus, he turns to them and asks them a deeper question, a more personal question. Who do you say that I am? Someone said this. In the Greek, the pronoun you is emphatic. In other words, special attention or emphasis is given to the word you. Jesus had asked for the opinions of other people about his identity, but now he asked his apostles for an expression of their faith. It's always easier to say what other people believe or think about a particular person or event, but Jesus gets right to the heart of the matter with his disciples. So you know what other people are saying. But what do you believe? What do you know and what do you have faith in? And isn't it interesting that when Jesus said, Who do men say that I am? It's almost like, man, they're spouting off answers. But when he asked, who do you say that I am? It's almost as if there's a period of quietness. There isn't that chatter that the first question brought. And then who was always the first one to speak? Peter. The Bible tells us that Peter was somewhat the spokesman for the group off the book of Matthew. And Peter gives him the answer, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He identified him as the Christ and as the Son of the living God. And in saying he was the Christ, it meant that he was recognizing him as their long-anticipated Messiah. You see, in the Greek, the term Christ, it's equivalent to the Old Testament or the Hebrew word Messiah. 
on his first encounter with Jesus. Do you remember Andrew, Peter's brother? Do you remember what he said in John 1 and verse 41? He declared Jesus as the Messiah. Nathaniel, in chapter John chapter 1 and verse 49, he called Jesus the King of Israel, which is another way of saying He's the Messiah. Some of the disciples had already acknowledged Jesus as the Son of God. Nathaniel again, in addition to calling Him the King of Israel, he also, in John 1.49, calls Him the Son of God. The twelve disciples, they had made a similar statement about Jesus after He had claimed to calm the storm of Galilee in Matthew chapter 14. Even Peter, Peter had previously confessed belief in Jesus as the Holy One of God following His sermon in John chapter 6 on the bread of life. But at this time, in His saying He was the Son of God, they were recognizing His power and His divinity. Someone has said this, they were making a statement about His unique relationship with God. His Father was the living God. But Peter, speaking on behalf of the disciples, He revealed the truth and the reality that Jesus, you are who you say you are. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And here's what I want us to really think about over the next few minutes. What does that matter? What does it matter? I mean, when you look, when you look at what, what Jesus had been doing, he feeding the 4,000, he fed the 5,000, he heals multitudes. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they seek for a sign. He reminds his disciples to watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they're struggling to understand what is he talking about. And then he pulls them off to the side and he says, What does everybody else say that I am? What's everybody else saying about me? Oh, yeah, we can tell you. But what do you say? You say, why does it matter? Because it matters to God. You see, Jesus asked that to His disciples. And in a sense, He's still asking that today. What is everybody else saying? Oh, we can can find out what everybody else is saying. But here's the heart of the matter. Here is what matters about what we do every week. What does it matter to you? Who is Jesus to you? Someone once wrote, Salvation is a very personal matter. The people all around us have their various opinions about Jesus. But what do we think of Him? That's the question. You see, at the end of the day, it matters what I think about Jesus. It matters what you think about Jesus. It matters how we respond to that question, doesn't it? If it didn't, Jesus wouldn't have asked it. So think about these questions. Do you believe that Jesus was and is who He said He is? Do you believe it? 
Does what you believe about Jesus, and here's the key, if you believe it, does what you believe about Jesus make a real difference in your life every day? Does it change the way we behave? Does it change the way I respond to the way things happen? Does it change the way I interact with others even when they have wronged me? Does it change the way I do my work? Does it change the way I do my school work? What does it matter to us? I want you to notice in Matthew 16, notice verse 18. There's so much in this text that that we could talk about. And a lot of different details that we could think about. But I'm wanting us to think about these questions that Jesus asked these disciples and what it mattered. And I want you to notice the promise that Jesus gave Peter in verse 18. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Now what's so special about about that promise? Well, the reality is there's been a lot of ink spilled, and have a lot of arguments made over that those two words, this rock, and what it means. And instead of getting into all those different arguments and thoughts, I, I want us to, I don't want to share that, but I do want to share what I found interesting about what one person said about this phrase. This particular person said, he believed <clears throat> this rock refers to Christ, not to Peter or Peter's faith and confession. Jesus is the rock. Now despite what maybe you've read or what you might believe about this, I think it's interesting the argument that he makes that this rock is Jesus. And here's why. Because he goes on and he did a study about the word rock through the book of Matthew and other places in Scripture. And he found that generally speaking, there's no other place where rock is referred to humans. At least when it's making this kind of point, it's always referred to Jesus or even His teachings. In verses 17 through 19, Jesus says you, referring to Peter, He goes on to say. But in this short phrase, He uses this rock and I will build my church. He says, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. You see, the focus was not on Peter. The focus was on Jesus In the early church, they never used this language uh, as applied to Peter or the other apostles, but always as applied to Jesus. Uh, For example, Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. 
Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been, been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into the holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Who's the focus on? The focus is on Jesus. Yes, the apostles did the work of the Lord. And they, they sought to add to the kingdom or allow God to add to the kingdom because of what they were doing. And we do the same thing today. But at the end of the day, it's all about Jesus. What do we do when we come here? It's all about Jesus. And what we do when we walk out of these doors, it's all about Jesus. After that, after Jesus makes his statement, we'll read later, you'll read later that Peter even struggled. Jesus had to say, Get behind me, Satan. Reminding him, Peter, it's not about you, and it's not about what you think. It's not about how you think I ought to do. It's about me. It's about Jesus. Everything is about Jesus. Everything in our lives is about Jesus. Everything in the world is about Jesus. How, how do you know that? The Bible says... There's coming a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Peter, right? James, John, Andrew, Matthew, Bartholomew. Every tongue will confess Jesus. So when someone asks, why do you do what you do? Why do you believe what you believe? It's because of Jesus. Why do you get up when you lose an hour to go sit in a building and listen to some guy ramble? Because of Jesus. Why do you go study with a group of people? Because of Jesus. Why do you make those decisions in life that you make? Because of Jesus. You see, it matters. What we believe and what we think about Jesus. And that's why he asked his disciples. What's the word on the street? You see, the reality is, and I wish we had time, I looked up, what do people say about Jesus today? And it was interesting. The Barner Group, they had slides about the different beliefs that people in America, what they believe, what they think, and how they think what they believe about Jesus affects their lives. It's, it's awesome. The internet will even tell you what other people believe in other uh, world religions and in other parts of the world, what they believe about Jesus. And you see, it's easy. It's easy to look that up and reverberate that and tell, this is what people believe about Jesus. But when it comes down to it, the last day of our life, when we take that last breath, what's going to matter? It's going to matter what I believe about Jesus. Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? Augustine wrote, 
Jesus Christ is not valued at all until He's valued above all. Peter Forsyth was right when he said, Warren Wiersbe said, the first duty of every soul is to find not its freedom, but its master. I want you to contemplate this question on the screen. Who do you say that I am? It really matters. What is your answer to that question? Are you here today? And you've been asked the question, what does Jesus mean to you? What do you believe about Jesus? Do you believe that without Jesus being the Lord and Savior of your life, the King, your Lord, that you're eternally lost? Because that's what the Bible tells us. You see, it's all about Jesus. And if you're here today, and you find yourself outside of Jesus, we want to remind you, it's all about Jesus. We don't say that in a condemning way. We say that with all the love we can muster up because it's all about Jesus. And at the end of the day, no matter what happens when we walk out of those doors, we want to see you in heaven. Maybe you're here today and Satan's piled a lot of things in your life. And you're struggling and you're hurting. We want you to know all the answers are in Jesus. Because of what He's done for us. Because of the example that He set for us. Because of the pain and the agony that He went through for us. Jesus understands. As together we stand and sing. Gently to his fold, see him sold and open. I implore, why keep Jesus waiting, waiting at the door? Oft he knocketh softly. Softly o'er and o'er Hear Him soul and open I implore Why keep Jesus waiting Knocking at the door Soon He'll cease His pleading Yes, forevermore. Come, pursued, obey Him. I implore. Is there any other announcements we need to make before we have our closing song? Turn with 96. I stand in awe of thee. This will be our closing song. Remember, tonight our churches are at 6 o'clock. Uh, if you're visiting with us, we're glad to have you. We 
Uh, I want to treat you as our honored guest. Come back and be with us at every opportunity you have. Uh, again, in this song, we're going to sing it through, and then we're going to sing the chorus one more time, and I've got a couple spots we're going to stop in, so just watch me, okay? You are beautiful beyond description, too marvelous for words, too wonderful for comprehension, like nothing ever seen or heard. Who can grasp your infinite wisdom? Who can fathom the depth of your love? You are beautiful beyond description. Majesty enthroned above, and I stand, I stand in all of you. I stand, I stand in all of you, holy God, to whom all praises due. I stand in awe of you, and I stand, I stand in awe of you, I stand, I stand in awe of you, holy God, to whom all praises do. I stand in awe of you. Let us pray. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father. We're thankful for this beautiful day that you've given us. And we're thankful for this time that you have allowed us to assemble here to study another portion of your word and worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray, Father, that the things we've said and done has been done in accordance of your will. We pray, Father, for the many of us that are in need of your love, kindness, and mercy at this time. We ask that you bless those who are sick and we ask Father that you bless those that are grieving from the recent loss of loved ones forgive us of our sins Father and go with us as we leave here today and guide God and direct our footsteps for us in Christ's name we pray Amen, Amen.